beautiful hymn because we do stand in amazed, stand amazed in the presence of our Lord Jesus. And sometimes we forget that. And we could actually sing after that, grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin, right? And we sing 10,000 reasons and just keep right on down the line. Music is the doorway to the heart and that lets us have Christ awakened in our heart and that we would be awakened to his response or his knowing and being with us. I just want to tell you this morning that I'm uh, very happy to be here with you. Um, I think you should continue to pray that my wife will come home. I know she's not listening, so I'll say this and get away with it, but, you know, whatever I said, I'm sorry. It's good to see a number of you here this morning I haven't seen in a while. It's good to see new faces again. That I think it's really good. I think that um, you need to call your friends in Florida and tell them to come home. You need to call your friends that are getting ready to go to Florida and tell them, stop. But I've just been covering some very tough passages in the scripture this the last couple of weeks, so maybe that's what the problem is. And I... Uh, as you know, last w- week I was going to do First uh, Timothy chapter two, verses eight through fifteen, and we got squeeze barely. We got through First Timothy chapter two, eight through ten. So this morning I'm going to take on some uh, very non-controversial passages. Uh, so if you've got your pillow here, just pull it up, get comfortable, relax. Um, Somebody will remind you what I said, I'm sure. Let's just pray, though, before we get into the Word. Um, As I look around this room, Lord, I just thank you for the people that are here. My wife did say to me last night as I got on the plane, I know you'll enjoy being back home where so many people love us and care for us. And Lord, I know that as they care for me, it's because they love you. They love what you're doing among us. They love the way that you've blessed each one of us, Lord. So I just pray that this morning, as we open your word, as we look into 1 Timothy, that we would hear from you. Set aside our preconceived notions and just think of you, what you intended. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. And as I start up, I, I title this uh, Teach Them to Lead, Part 2. It could easily be, say what? Because some of us would think that when Jesus comes back, what he's really going to do is he's going to look at these passages and say, well, what I really meant to say was, and then he's going to change it to something more uh, contemporary. which is not true, and we all know that it's not true, and yet sometimes we struggle with listening and understanding what's going on here. So I'm just going to read our passage this morning, and uh, if you want to join me, I appreciate you opening your scriptures to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to read 11 through 15. These are non-controversial passages, so just relax. If you're asleep, don't wake up. 
It said, a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. All right, let's go home. Those are easy passages. Some of them are very, very difficult to understand. Some of them are very hard to talk about. I was thinking about, uh, since I've been listening to my son's sermons lately, he you know, the, the dial of the Nile or whatever that was, it was uh, the latest um, Indiana Jones show. They have the thing that's a dial, and if you t- turn it just right, it'll lead you right to the time warp, and then you can see what would have happened, or maybe you can influence it to make it turn out different. And uh, we often take these passages that way, saying if we could just find the dial We know that when God shows up, when the Lord comes again, he'll say, no, that's not what I really meant to say. Unfortunately, like the dial of the Nile or whatever that was, it's not going to be that way either. It's it's not going to happen. God wrote these words. He's telling us these words through the Apostle Paul. He's given them to Timothy so he can say, Timothy, so that you will know how that you ought to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is... The church, us gathered, all of us, and even those who are in Florida today are part of us, right? If they're in Colorado, we're not sure, but we'll just take that if it's possible. So Paul says, I'm trying to teach you what to teach them so that they will not be false doctrine, so people won't be misled, so things won't go out of control. And he says, let me give you this instruction. And I've divided it in three parts today. Instruction, justice, or not necessarily justice, did I say? But justification. The instruction, and then why did Paul or God want Paul to tell us this? There is a specific reason. And then verse 15, which almost stands by itself, is a fulfillment of everything it said. It's it's the promise. It's the promise. So let's talk about the instruction. The instruction is simply this. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over man, a man, but to remain quiet. Now that sounds like our culture today, right? All who believe that, raise your hand. You're excused. No, it is... It, it's not our culture to be. It is the, clearly that this is instruction by Paul who started off by, by saying, I'm giving you this so you will teach certain men not to teach false doctrine. This is a true doctrine. This is the word of God. This is God's communication to us so that we could say, I know how to conduct myself in the household of God. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. 
Clearly, this instruction has caused many different emotions since Paul, since the moment he finished writing it. Really, it's been controversial since then. Uh, it's the same way with 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 14, other places where Paul says a woman shouldn't do some of these things. Uh, Ephesians 5, where he said a woman is to submit to her husband. But there is a very specific instruction here. The instruction is simply this. He's not saying that, uh, that God, when he comes back, is going to change his mind about these things and say, well, the way you're doing it in the 21st century is right, because that's not going to happen. What he's, gonna, he's saying is this is the way we should behave. And there's a reason that we should behave this way. Paul is talking about a situation that we go back to the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, the first three chapters in the Bible, and we pick up the exact story of what happened. We pick up the exact story that helps us understand if we listen to it, if we think about it, if we meditate on it, that Paul is relying on the failures of Adam and Eve to establish this principle and making this instruction. <clears throat> now, if I step on your toes, don't scream and jump up and pull your hair out and leave the back door. Just wait. Tomorrow I'll be in my office all day, come in, and we'll talk about it. I think it's going to be so clear, though, that you won't have any questions. My nose is growing. Paul says that man, and if you want to just flip over to Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, primarily chapter 3. I think we have a couple of visiting pastors today, so, you know, I'm trying to act nice and be careful and whatever. <clears throat> Paul says that God created Adam first, which is the truth. Scripture says that. Then he says that, and Eve was created second, and Eve was created to be a helpmeet, a helper to God, not to be a doormat. Eve was created so that they would work together in harmony. They were created co-equal. They were made in the image of God, but they were assigned different duties and responsibilities. Now, most of you have been in church most of your life. Hopefully, you've heard this. Adam was created first and then Eve. She was created second, but she sinned first. That's what Paul is talking about. When we go back to the passage in 2 Timothy, a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. Eve was deceived. Eve was deceived, but Adam let it happen. So when you start thinking, well, he's just going to beat up on women again this morning, that's not true. Eve was deceived by the serpent, and then she did something she wasn't supposed to do. She let the serpent change her mind about how they were supposed to behave, and she took instruction for the serpent. But she was never supposed to do that because her leader was always Adam. She was deceived, and her sin was she gave up her role as the wife in submission and became the wife leading. She took the reins and led Adam to eating the fruit from the, the wrong tree. She knew better. But Adam, and theologians will stress this if they're honest with themselves, that Adam did one thing that he was never supposed to do. He let Eve lead them to a place where they were not supposed to go. 
Everybody's heard that before? She was listening to the deceiver, and he was just being silent. Not an unusual reaction by a man, is it? Especially in today's culture. Instead of helping Adam, Eve led him into sin. He remained silent, so he was responsible for his own sin. He can't get away with telling God, it's the woman you gave me. I'm sure God said something like, nuts. You knew better. All right, I'm going to try not to get so down on Adam. <clears throat> but he remained silent. He was responsible for not leading his wife in the way that God had ordained. She usurped his leadership and failed and he failed to be the leader like he was supposed to be. Does that make sense? The principle here is not who sinned first. or <clears throat> The sin was that they both defied the created order. Adam was created first. Eve was created second. Adam was the leader. He was supposed to move on and let her... her she could care for the children and she could take care of the house and do all those things and help him whatever. That's what she was supposed to do. But she was not supposed to lead. And Adam said, well, I'll just let her do it. Let her take the heat. <clears throat> That's the way some of us are today. I'm ashamed to say it's been more than once in my life I've done that. That's not the way God ordained it. The woman is to quietly receive instruction. And the man is to quietly give it and lead. And I tell you right now, if you uh, ladies out there, some of you that are not married... Some of you are not ready to be married yet. You're young, impressionable. Don't get hung up with a man that won't understand this principle. And you guys do the same. Don't get hung up with a woman who thinks she's the leader. Because in the created order, in the church, now this is really... Paul is talking to people in the church. He's not talking about down at the supermarket or the mall or the movie theater or anything like that. He's talking about in the church, which is a picture of the family of God. In the church, the man leads. The man teaches. In the home, the man leads. The man teaches. Some of you guys are looking for a transfer out of this operation. No, you can't do that. You have to do what God's called you to do since the day of creation. Lead. Speak. Teach. <clears throat> and the woman, submissive. Quietly receiving instruction. Um, and then he says, <laughs> I think now's the time I should ask for questions, but since I don't trust y'all, uh, let's um, just keep them. Instead of helping Adam, Eve led him into sin. She led him, he allowed it, 
and he remained silent, and she led it. And so the principle that Paul is talking about here in the church family, in the family of each of us, this is the way the family is supposed to, re to respond. The husband is responsible for being the leader, the protector, the priest, the teacher, and the wife is the caregiver, the helper, the mother. And there's lots of things that women do better than men. One is they're better women. Oh, y'all were still sleeping, weren't you? Uh-huh. They're better women. They do a lot of things better than we do. But in the church, in the spiritual matters, in the leadership of the house, one day when we stand before the Almighty God, He is going to look at each man here and say, How did you handle your family? How did you lead your family? And He's going to ask the other side of the question to the woman. How did you submit to your husband? Were you a learner, listener, submissive? Are you uh, wild and crazy in thinking you were going to lead? Before the fall, it was a woman's role to bear children and care for Adam and the family. Before the fall, Adam was to lead and he was to work to provide for his family and to see for their well-being by protecting them from lies, like the snake or the serpent. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 13 after he had discovered that they knew they were naked and that they had done something wrong, which he already knew, the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. The serpent was the false teacher. The serpent was literally a snake in sheep's clothing. And she believed the snake. And then he turned and looked at Adam and he said, Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and not led, he didn't say that, but I can insert that, and, he, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it, then all these bad things are going to happen. That's what Paul's talking about. In the church, the men lead. The women listen. They become great learners. But when the roles got reversed in the garden, things got out of whack and God set them straight by discipline. And he gives them the justification just like I'm trying to do for you now. He says in verse 13, for it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Adam. The principle here is not about who's in command. Who's the authority? The principle here is who's responsible? Who's serving who? It's a leadership in the church today is not about authority. It's about servanthood. It always starts at the bottom and wakes, works, it wakes it, works its way up. That's what leadership and authority is in the church today. That's why it's so important that we know each other. That's why it's so important that we serve each other and we care for one another. And you see the elders here more times than you see lots of other people because they are serving you. They were doing it out of their heart of love for you and their heart of re recognizing their responsibility before God to open their mouth and speak truth in love. Adam was created first. First. 
and then Eve. And they allowed Eve to depart from that truth, and they allowed Adam, Adam departed from the truth because he didn't try to correct her. And they had been, they had such a wonderful relationship. They walked with God in the cool of the evening. Now you guys all know, and we all know what it's like to walk on a cool spring evening or a fall evening with our spouse. They walked with God. They talked with God. They were naked. They were unashamed. They had a very thorough communion with one another and with Almighty God. And when God asked them the question, what have you done? It's not like he didn't know, but he wanted them to think about the created order and the way things are supposed to work in this earth. The issue is about the role of, women, of the man and the woman. It is not a question of who gets to speak first or the loudest. God says, let me settle this. If you get in a situation where you're listening to a deceptive talker, a smooth talker, someone you know that's not supposed to be in giving you instruction, someone who doesn't understand the word of God, let the husband or let the men or let the elders in the church lead. The man is responsible to squelch his effort to be silent and allow... And then when he's silent, he allows the woman to take the heat. Don't do that, men. Don't do it here in the church. Don't do it in your family. And all this is found in Genesis chapter 3. Paul is thinking about all this. We do not have to decide if this is what our culture believes and how it acts because this is what God says. Let the women be silent in the church because this is the created order. Let the men speak because they will try to get out of it. This is the created order. God is taking the mystery out of the man-woman roles and relationship. He's making it clear. In Genesis 3 and Genesis 3.16, he says this. I have it written down here, so I'm going to read it to you. He says, I will greatly multiply, talking to the woman, discern what has happened. He said to the woman, I will greatly multiply your pain and childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, and yet your desire will be for your husband. And he will rule over you. You see, the, the conflict has already started. Your, your desire will be for the husband, the woman, but he will rule over you because that's God's created order. What God is saying, uh, let me just clarify this. Uh, part of the, uh, the judgment on Eve and on womanhood was that her desire would be for her husband. The word used here, desire, is the same word that's used in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, which says this. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Man, he was talking to Cain. He said, Cain... Sin is crouching out the door when you're not doing the right thing, when you're not obeying God's rules, when you're not obeying God's created order. This desire of sin is not to come in and love you because you're so sweet and loving and kind and sensitive and, and nourishing or nurturing and all those kind of good things. It's to control you. 
Her desire will be to control her husband, to have the last word, to decide. That's the same thing as sin. Sin wants to control us. It doesn't want us to have anything to do with faithfulness or purity or sanctification. Sin. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? Alistair Begg makes a comment on this issue. He says, the desire of a woman for her husband is not that she desires him on account of his affection or of her undying devotion, but it is as a result of the fall. She desires to master and control him. He further states that by taking the initiative in eating the fruit, the woman, in effect, assumed the leadership role. And, of course, she did so with disastrous results. It is imperative that a woman learns that. In the context of public worship, her unique calling is to be a learner, a significant learner, but a learner nevertheless. You understand that? It's she desires, because of the fall, to exercise leadership and authority. And Christian leadership is not about authority. It's about servanthood. And man lets her walk away and get away with it. It's just a big conundrum. You understand that it's not easy, it's not pleasant. It was not the way it was supposed to be. God created Adam first to leave, and Eve was created second, not to listen to other voices, but to listen to her husband, to listen to her pastors and teachers, not false teachers in the church. Were men and women created equal? Were they created in God's image? Yes. Were they created equal? Yes. Were they created to fulfill different roles? Yes. We all have a different role. And it doesn't mean that we're not equal. Some of us in here know how to teach. Some of us don't do it very well. But it doesn't mean that if I can teach that I'm better than some other man who can't teach. We're both equal men in God's eyes. Some women can teach, and they can teach women because the Scripture calls us to do that. And God is saying, just because you can teach doesn't mean that you're not, and you're a woman doesn't mean you're not equal to all the men teachers. You are. It's not a quality of your teaching that makes you equal. It's a quality of your personhood. You're a leader because you have a servanthood attitude. You're a teacher because God gave you the gift. Read uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 and read 1 Peter 4 and read about the gifts. Romans 12, read about the gifts. We all have special gifts. We all have gifts to do what God wants us to do, whether it be the toe or the ear or the whatever, the hand. Whatever you are, you are part of the body. You are an important part of the body. The promise, then, the third step. I, I, I really had a lot more that I want to say about this, and I know you're thankful that I'm not going to say it, but I just want to tell you what the promise is. The promise is 
found in verse 15. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Now we all understand that clearly, right? Well, what about the woman that hasn't born children? Or what about the woman that can't bear children? What does this mean? This is a hard sentence to even uh, translate, much less interpret. And the best, and I mean, there are at least half a dozen or more, 50 or 70 uh, um, things that people think about this verse, but I tell you the one that works best for me. A woman will be preserved through the bearing of children. She will be preserved through the punishment of the bearing children, which is going to have more pain. She will be honoring God in that way if she continues in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. She sees God's created order. She hears what God says. She believes what God says, and she acts on that. Now, you think, well, he's being pretty hard on the woman. Don't, not really. Unsaid thing here is that the man has got to do his part with faith and love and sanctity and with self-restraint. Men are to lead women who bear their children, who live godly lives, and who continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-restraint. Men are to lead and protect them and teach them by not allowing them to be deceived. And a, a man, when he comes here, women always come looking nice, you know, and they have a smile, and guys come in looking like they just lost the front wheel off their best tractor, and they come in and they, what? Men are supposed to be coming in, lifting holy hands, ready to worship. That's the kind of people I want to be around. How about you? And if a man is doing that, the people around him, the women, the children, the visiting pastors, they will be doing that too. The most fulfilling role for a man or a woman is to be right square in the middle of God's will because they know what it is and they're willing to do it. Not all women will bear children, but all women can uphold God's created plan by continuing in faith, love, and holiness with self-restraint. And men lifting up holy hands and worshiping and protecting the women by not allowing them to be deceived. And, and you know, this is not an easy test. I just want to throw in a little, um, little note for the men. Sometimes, you know, you go up and you help a woman and you're going to open the door for her and she says, I can get my own door. This is just a small thing. Or you say, would you, would you like me to help you load those packages in your car? I can do it myself. How about if I fix your back door? I have a hammer. I can fix it myself. 
Men, it is God's will that you do not get frustrated, that you do not throw a temper tantrum, that you don't try to slap somebody back. You just do everything you do in the holiness of knowing what God's will is. And when we catch one another not doing that, we should come right there and say, come on, Corbett, get up. Don't you know what God's will is? Well, yeah, but so, no, there's no so. This is the will of God for you. That you raise up holy hands and that you help the women by being committed to faith and love and holiness with self-restraint. This is a principle, not a law. And you know that legalists and Pharisees always want to make a principle a law. And let me give you an example how that looks. Can a woman speak in this pulpit ever? A Pharisee would say, nope, God says woman can't talk in church. <clears throat> the spirit is, if this is the woman that's serving the church, and this microphone is not, if this is a woman serving the church, and doing what she's doing, and she has something that we, the elders, myself, feel that we need to hear. She comes up here and she can say it. She's not acting as an elder. She's not the authoritative pastor or preacher. She's a servant. Can a woman teach if there is no man? How many think a woman can teach if there is no man? The rest of you are cowards. No, the truth is, if there is no man, the necessary feeding of God's word to God's people is so important that a woman can do that. And when a man comes in, not just any man, but a man comes in who is qualified to impart the word of God, she says, okay, I give up. You're here now. You take over. That's a principle. It's not a law. It's a principle. You know, and part of the thing that's confusing in our society today, we say, well, just because you're a man doesn't mean that I can't be a lawyer or that I can't be a doctor or that I can't be a fighter pilot or that I can't be whatever. That's true in many areas of our culture today, except in the church. We believe that there are complementary roles in the church and that the men are the leaders of the church. They are the, the, they are the pastors and the elders and the teachers. And the women are the servants and the helpers and their role. Only thing that the Bible says about a woman not being able to do is that they can't be an elder or a pastor in the church. And I believe that as we speak this morning, I know this may be a little tedious, but hopefully all is well in our church when we are willing to listen to God and to follow God's plan. It's so important. If you can imagine the disastrous result that happened in the garden because Adam and Eve didn't follow God's one 
requirement. Don't eat of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. She was deceived, and Adam was silent. So I just want to close now. I want to close with a word of prayer. And I just want to ask you to think about, uh, well, I do that every Sunday. Think about this message. I think our church is not perfect. We do a lot of things right, and I think there's always room for improvement. So let me just read this. Uh, It's a Scottish prayer. It was written by a Scotsman named Magdy. No, yeah. Lord God, let's pray. We are here this morning with holy hands looking to you to impress upon each of us the principle of leading from a heart of service. Help us be a church where we complement each other as men and women of faith, love, and sanctity with self-restraint. Help us to be a church that will uphold the dignity of marriage, understand the truth of male leadership, Enjoy the gift of submission given to the women. Help us to hold these truths to be your guiding principles. Give us humility and charity in these matters. Lord, we long to be your servants, showing the world the truth of your plan that was laid out during the creation. Go with us now, Lord, and hold us close. In your name we pray. Amen. Does the uh, worship team have a... Well, let's just say that have a good morning. God bless you and meet some of the new people are here and some of the visitors, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.